Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Plus, if you buy right now, we'll double your order for free. Oops, sorry, wrong damn job. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show that sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast for all of us pipe smokers around the world. I'm your host, Brian Levine, and uh, currently I'm on the road, so this show's 100% completely pre-recorded. All the fun and excitement has been sitting recorded for a couple of days, just waiting for you to burst into it and open it up, so... Let's get right to it. In Pipe Parts, I'm going to recap a couple of things tobacco-related. We're going to jump back into tobacco, remind you of a few things that I do, talk about a few few other little observations here and there. My guest tonight, Joshua Zayner. Josh is a member of the forums, a relatively new listener, new pipe smoker, so got a chance to talk to him for a while. A lot of fun. One of the uh, characters of pipe smoking that's going to be around for a long time. Uh, Mailbag rant, all the usual coming up in this episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And yes, I do have, actually have a real rant this week. So something to look forward to at the end of the show. Uh, Currently, I am in uh, West Palm Beach, Boca Raton, down in Florida, doing a uh, trunk show event with the uh, folks down there. So next week, I'll let you know how that goes. Speaking of next week, my guest will be Tom Eltang, world-class pipe maker. So that'll be fun to look forward to. I would appreciate it if everybody, if you haven't had a chance, please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. Post any comments that you have on any of the shows on iTunes pipesmagazine.com right there in the link for the pipes magazine radio show uh also follow us on facebook i've been a little derelict in reminding you of all these little details here and there so anyway got a great interview coming up so i want to cut everything short let's get right going everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you to sutliff tobacco company here we go I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliffTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. Captain's Log, Stardate 4262013. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Engage.
welcome back. The uh, Star Trek celebrity spot there, specifically for forum member Romanza10, who likes and wants more Star Trek in the show. So there you go, little Captain Picard. All right, in pipe parts, I want to cover a few things that I did cover before, but it's going to be important because we're going into the uh, weather changing, the time of season. For those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, cooler, drier weather is coming in. Which reminds me, make sure and get out and smoke your pipe. Now that the weather's nice, make sure everybody get out and smoke your pipe in public before the weather gets really cold. Anyway, I talked in the past about aging tobacco. Now for those of you that are aromatic smokers, doesn't really work too well for you. You can store aromatic tobaccos in mason jars or really nicely tightly clamped down jars. You can store them, keep them fresh five, six, seven years. But the aging's not going to help, and if you wait too long, again, the uh, the casings or the flavorings are going to start to break down and change. So you don't want to do that. For those of us that are smoking Virginia's, Virginia Perique's, English blends, aging helps dramatically. Now, I had an interesting situation. I got a chance to smoke some Escudo that was about two years old, but had been baked at the Fred Hanna recommended five hours at 200 degrees. It had a little bit of a fragrant smell to, to it that I wasn't used to, and I'm very familiar with, uh, with Escudo, so it had a little bit of a fragrant smell that I wasn't used to. It was perfectly dark, which was exciting. And again, the people that gave me, gave me the sample or gave me the bowlful didn't tell me what was going on with it, just said, try this, see what you think. Took two discs, rubbed them out. It was nice evening. Anyway, it just tasted like the, uh, it tasted very mild or very smooth, had, had some decent flavor to it, but the pariki punch was knocked out of it. I like the word, per, I like the phrase pariki punch. Uh, anyway, the pariki punch had been knocked out of it, and I think it was from the baking. I have at home some eight, nine-year-old Escudo, so I came home and I opened up a can that was about, I want to say about six years old, opened it up. It wasn't quite as dark. It was getting dark, but it wasn't quite as dark as the baked can. But it still had that pariki punch to it. So I think the baking beats beats the the pariki punch down and kind of smooths it out. So I'm wondering if anybody else has had any of the same experiences if they're doing any baking or speed aging when it comes to a pariki-based blend. Also, keep in mind, I think that tobacco ages on a bell curve. It starts getting better the long as you wait, and then somewhere down the road, five, six, seven, ten years, it reaches its optimum aging where all the flavors are still in balance, everything's merged together nicely, everything's married wonderfully, nothing's overpowering the other thing, nothing's lost too much, and then somewhere it starts going down. I've yet to find where that is for every blend, but as you all out there try them, you know what? See if you can find it. The reason I mention all this is because I have been lax in my tobacco cellar. I have been lax in stocking it up and keeping it loaded with my favorite blends. So I started looking at my cellar again. A couple of things of advice. One, the way I age stuff, whether it's in a glass jar or in a tin, if it's a bulk, I put it into a glass jar, seal it up as tight as I can. I don't heat it or do anything like that. I just pack it as tight as I can, seal it as tight as I can. 
I keep those stored in a dark cabinet where they're not exposed to sunlight, just room temperature, but in a dark, moderately temperate cabinet out of the sunlight. That's the best way that I've found for aging stuff. Now, if I've got some flat tins or the round tins, and I'm talking about like the Escudo Dunhill tobacco tins, the Orlick tins, those kinds that just pop on, they don't have a peel-off lid, what I suggest you do if you're going to age them for any more than a couple of years is go out and get yourself a good roll of saran wrap, roll one can at a time in the saran wrap, get the saran wrap as tight as you can around it. That saran wrap just helps that little silicone gasket seal from popping. Wrap them up in saran wrap. Buy the good stuff. Don't protect your tobacco with the cheap saran wrap. All right, a couple of uh, quick little things. First of all, I dry down all my tobacco. is about to dry it down to almost crunchy. Second of all, I break it up all the way. Even if it's a ribbon cut, I make sure and go through and get all those chunks out so that when I get ready to pull a bowl full out of the tin, I'm ready to go. Finally, use the small pieces off the bottom of the tins as kindling. I think that will help you get your... Uh, get the bowl going and especially if we're smoking outside in the weather you want those small pieces so that you can start that nice ash up on top and get it going just as quick as you can because you don't want a gust of wind coming along and blowing ash up in your face so all right that's pipe parts for you in just a few minutes joshua zayner this is internet radio do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show Joshua Zayner, who is a, uh, a, I don't know how else to say this except Besides being a pipe smoker, I guess the best way, really, that I want to start this off is when you graduated, what was your clown name? <laughs> well, my clown name, uh, when we graduated from Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Clown College, we actually used our real names. But uh, one of my favorite jokes that my friend used to say when we did interviews, he would tell the interviewer, my clown name is Michael, but my real name is Sprinkles. <laughs> so so let's just suffice it to say you graduated from ringling brothers barnum and bailey clown school uh tell everybody where all you've performed in your uh relatively young career so far wow well okay i uh I all right time's up we got to move on oh i'm kidding all right thanks <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to feel like that in a moment, so hold that response. No, I started at the uh, Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Clown College. It was either that or law school. I'm not kidding. I was I was getting ready to graduate high school, and I was deciding between law school and, and I got this letter from Clown College asking me to go there. And uh, my grandfather told me, 
Law school will always be there, Josh. Why don't you go there and take a chance on this? So I went. And, uh, well, you know, I wish my grandfather would say go to law school. But uh, <laughs> I went to Ringling Brothers Brian Bailey Clown College. I toured two years with the show. Then I ended up in Vegas for a while performing. I was with, uh, I did a comedy act at the Circus Circus. I did, uh, I was with the Second City performing. I was with the amazing Jonathan. And then uh, I ended up with Cirque du Soleil, uh, writing a show for them and performing with them. And uh, I've just worked with a ton of companies in between and on the way. And um, even now, writing and directing and performing and making my way through the world with comedy and entertainment. Now, we have never met, but I've seen, your, I've seen some pictures of you. And to suffice it to say, you were not one of the acrobats up on the spinning around, bending and twisting stuff on a Cirque du Soleil show. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I like I like when I tell people, like, oh, I was in Cirque du Soleil, and they just kind of look at me like, huh? What? <laughs> uh, no, I was, I, I did the comedy in the show. So uh, I was, I was in Cirque du Soleil's Kuza. I helped create that show. And then uh, I was part of the trio. So if, uh, any listeners are fans and they have the DVD, you'll see me running around like an idiot and screaming and acting stupid. You'll be like, hey, I just listened to that guy. And that's the reason we do this show as audio only, because we don't want people seeing me running around screaming and looking like an idiot. I'll just sound that way. <laughs> there you go. We're both on treadmills right now running. So, fast forward. Actually, I've got a hamster wheel. Uh, fast forward. You're currently in the Los Angeles area, and what are you doing for a living? Uh, what aren't I doing? I guess a good circus reference is it takes a lot of peanuts to feed an elephant. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> right now I'm, uh, I'm teaching at the Second City. I'm teaching at various schools and theaters. I'm, uh, I get paid to write acts for people um, and uh, also like punch up different scripts and whatnot, and then uh, trying to get... Um, my own projects going and as much as I love live entertainment these days all the money's in television and movies so that's uh, what I'm making my way into right now so it's fun I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to say I make a living in entertainment and uh, it's, I can't complain it's a great life it always cracks me up when I hear somebody whining and moaning about like oh I had to get up early it's like yeah other guys are getting up early and they're digging a ditch all day you're putting on a silly little costume and running around, so I think we can uh, deal with that. And hopefully you're doing multiple takes of that running around. Oh, yeah. Well, you try to nail it the first time, because then they're happy with you, because you save them money, because uh, they don't need to spend more time and money on crews. So, nail it the first time, and they're, uh, everybody loves you. Now, how old are you? I'm 34. So 34 years old, and you've done over 10,000 live performances. I know. And uh, with all the different chapters of my life, I, I, I feel like uh, I should be an old man or something. But uh, I'm 34, and, uh, yeah, I've just taken every opportunity I can get and uh, just kept working. I said yes to everything. So let me ask you, if you're you're doing, in some cases you were doing three shows a day or doing a daytime gig once or twice a day and then doing a nighttime show, how do you get your energy up in between? And I mean, every time you go out there, you've got to be the best that you can. And what do you do to get your energy up? Well, you know, I'll say this. There, 
there were definitely times um, where when you're performing that often, it's like it becomes a job like any job. And you start talking about it like a job as opposed to like, you know, if I if I got to perform once a year, something would be like, oh, my gosh, I'm performing. But when you're doing multiple times a day, unfortunately, as a human being, you just start to take anything for granted. So you start to treat it like a job. And there were days where, you know, maybe I didn't push myself as hard as I should have. But then, you know, honestly, the, so many times you go out there and I'm like, I get people laughing at me. I get people applauding for me. It's really easy to suddenly find that energy and start doing it. Um, I mean, granted, there's there's performers out there who start to become so full of themselves that they forget how lucky they are. But I try to remind myself, you know, uh, there were times like when I was performing for Ringling Brothers or even like Cirque du Slam, I mean, those tickets are expensive. You get what you pay for, but it's expensive. And when you see a family of like four or five and they're seated in the back and sometimes I look at these families and I think like, you know, especially the past few years with the down economy, I think, man, that mom and dad are probably not paying some bills this month to make because they want to have this memory with their kids. And then I think to myself, like, uh, what kind of a jerk would I be if I didn't do all I could to give them a, a great memory and a good experience? And then, again, like I said, at the end of my job, at the end of my workday, I get to stand there and have 2,800 people clap for me. So it's, I don't know, I just would feel like a colossal jerk if I didn't turn it on and bring the energy and do it. I don't know. I, I, I think... And I think that's part of, like, what's kept me working is I come from a place of gratitude. And people, you know, as corny as it sounds, they do end up like, they like working with people like that. So, well, us parents look for more work. Us parents appreciate it. We'd, we'd appreciate it if the guy wasn't hawking, you know, coming up and down the aisle, hawking $28 battery-operated light-up glowy things. That... <laughs> Trust me, I'd appreciate that, too. <laughs> But that's what makes the circus go on. So, so now, what do you, you when you're you're teaching improv? You're what kind of students are you? Uh, what kind of students are you getting in the class? Oh, Brian, I this is Los Angeles, my friend. You get every walk of life. <laughs> okay, what kind of student get... have you not had in your class? <laughs> same, same, well balanced people. I would say. <laughs> 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 the people you work with, like nowadays, I'm getting, I, I get a good mix. I get people that are really committed and into it. And then you get like the the rich housewife who uh, thinks she has talent and her uh, her husband told her to get out of the house and get a hobby. So she's going to take this class and become a star. And uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just... <laughs> She probably should just stay home, you know. But you can't discriminate because you never know. Like, those first impressions will throw you off, too, because you think, oh, this guy's a dud, and then he turns out to be amazing. <laughs> so you're getting some hobbyists. You get some professional actors that want to add that to their skill list, and I would imagine you're also getting people that want to really become comedians. Exactly. And and my big focus is I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of... Uh, well, I kind of think every pipe smoker is a, a fan of history in a way, and I appreciate how things used to be done because I think things used to be better. And, uh, like, I, I watched old, like, old movies from Hollywood's, like, golden age, 
And I think, man, those are amazing. And, and, and we still call it the golden age. And I think, what was different about then than now? And you realize, oh, back then, those actors and actresses in those movies, before they were filmed in the movies, they had done thousands or hundreds of performances on stage. And so they really knew their craft. And they knew how to entertain people. And there was no such term as triple threat. Like back then, you did sing and you danced and you acted. And that's called being an actor. But nowadays... If you can act and tie your shoes, wow, you're a <laughs> you're an unbelievable actor. But so my focus is um, in Hollywood, well, and all over. If you take an acting class, they focus on how you say something and uh, and your face because they, they've shoved the camera so close to your face nowadays. I focus on uh, the rest of their body. Like I teach them how to act with the rest of their body. And one of my favorite things to tell people is. 75 to 95% of human communication is nonverbal. And yet an acting class usually will focus on that 25 to 5% of communication. And so uh, I, focus, I help them become expressive in, uh, with not just their voice, but in, in what they do. All right. So I'm a, uh, I'm a sales guy and I'm out in the public. What are are there any little tips that you can that you can give me to express myself better physically? Yeah, first, Brian, I would say you especially just go up to each man that you're going to talk to and before you say anything, give him a deep hug. <laughs> okay, well that yeah, some of them would like that, but um... <laughs> no, no. Here, I'll give I'll give you some real tips. Okay, first of all, eye contact. Nowadays, everybody is so afraid of eye contact. Look at them and be interested in what they're saying. But everybody wants to tell their story, and the greatest gift you can give is to listen. Listen to their story. Be interested. Ask questions. I think that's like life in general. When you meet someone, you don't even have to be a salesman, but look them in the eye, ask them some questions. And then the other thing is, like, look at how you're standing. It's so funny to me to watch people they don't realize what their bodies are doing and like go to the mall or go to the airport or just sit there and just people watch and look at the expressions people will hold on their faces without realizing it. You know, you'll have these people that look like they've got a plate of crap under their nose or, uh, (laughs) their arms will be crossed and they look so, uh, like they're angry. And, And then you'll, you'll go up and go, Hey, what's wrong? And they'll go, well, nothing, nothing. I'm having a great day. And it's like, okay. Your body isn't saying that. You're giving off this impression that you'd uh, rather be killing us all. And uh, so a lot of, I, I think, like, nowadays just a lot of um, interactions and stuff we have uh, are miscommunication. So I would say, like, from a business standpoint, I would really watch how I'm standing. I would really watch what my body is doing while I'm listening to someone talk. Um, I wouldn't cross my arms. I would keep eye contact. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the hug thing, if you really want to try <laughs> the The hug thing will work for a while. But uh, we're going to, yeah. I want to talk to you about pipe smoking, and we're going to do that right after we take this break. Will you stay with us? Absolutely. We'll be back in just a minute. Hello? 
Thank you for calling SmokingPipes.com. This is Barry. How can I help you? Meet Barry. He's our homegrown, all-American family guy in customer service here at SmokingPipes.com. With 25 years of experience in sales, his dedication to customer service makes Barry pretty handy around here. He's on the phone all day helping customers like you from all over the globe pick out great pipes and pipe tobacco. Selection of a Savinelli autograph. Don't you know I saw that list of tobacco you carry online there? Maybe you could help me pick out a good Virginia, eh? You see, we hire not only the best people, we hire people who are as passionate about our products as you are. Just ask Barry why he loves his job at smokingpipes.com. Because I don't just help people choose from our great selection of pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1 888 346 or check us out online at smokingpipes.com. We are quality. We are experts we are smokingpipes.com welcome back joshua and i are still here clowning around together ha 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 sorry couldn't couldn't pass that one up but uh let's jump right into it you are relatively a recent uh a recent convert to the pipe oh like when you mean recent like Literally New Year's Eve, uh, this past New Year's Eve. I'm very recent. So how did it start? What brought you over what brought you over to the uh from the dark side? I mean over to the pipe. <laughs> well, I sold my soul this uh past I went met the uh the devil at the crossroads and he gave me a pipe. No, I uh <laughs> this this past New Year's I I before this I had enjoyed an occasional cigar. I was never a cigarette smoker or anything like that, but I'd enjoy an occasional cigar, and uh, we were going to a, uh, this couple we know, their house for New Year's Eve. And so I stopped at the cigar store, and I said, hey, help me pick out a couple cigars. And the guy who worked there showed me a couple, and I said, okay. And so I, I grabbed two cigars, and, and we went and spent New Year's at the house. And the husband and I, we were out back, and we smoked the cigars. And then I said, ah, this is horrible. I should have grabbed more than just two. I and that's when he said, hey, well, uh, I have a pipe. Have you ever smoked a pipe? And I said, no, I, you know, I've always wanted to try. And so he went and got this. It's just an old beat-up pipe, and um, he had a bag of <laughs> probably really old dried-out tobacco, and uh, <laughs> he let me try it, and I just I really enjoyed it. And then uh, I had a bowl, and then as the night went on, I said, hey, can I have another bowl? And as the night went on, I had another bowl, and I just kind of decided I really liked it. And uh, my birthday is December 30th, and it had just passed. And my fiance, we live uh, not far from the original tinderbox in Santa Monica. And my fiance, she passed it every day on the way to work. And so she decided um, she was going to get me a, a gift certificate to go in there and get a pipe. And so that's what I did. That's how it started. So what were what was the first pipe that you bought yourself? Well, okay, I'm going to pick it up right now because I don't have many. So <laughs> I'm looking at it right now, and it's a it's a Falstaff, and it's a bent, um, like a Dublin, and uh, it's not even made anymore. They were from London, England, and uh, Leo at the shop helped me pick it out. I, I went in there, and he said, you know, what's your budget and stuff? And I said, well, I don't even know if I'm going to really stick with this, so you know, under a hundred dollars, maybe around 50. And so he was really cool. I, I, it's funny. I showed up one day and I, I introduced myself and they were getting ready to close. They had about a half hour left. And I told him I, I wanted to you know, get this pipe. And 
he said, we got to talking and, and we just kind of hit it off. And he said, I'll tell you what, if you're really serious about getting a pipe, come back to me when you have a couple hours. And I said, okay. So I left that night. I didn't even have my pipe. And I got home and my fiance said, you going to smoke your pipe? And I said, I didn't get one. She was like, what happened? I said, he roughed me up and threw me out the door. No, I said, uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to go back. And so a couple days later, I, I, I waited till they had about two hours left um, of, uh, for the shop hours. And I walked in and, and Leo over there, he, uh, I walked in and he smiled and he said, "Ah, oh, you came back." And I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm serious about this." So, it was great for a new pipe smoker. I, I gotta say, they, they really made it special. And he helped me pick out the pipe. But before he, we even got to that, he gave me an education on pipes and he got out a big chunk of briar wood and showed me what briar was and taught me about pipes. And he gave me a big education. And then we sat down and he, he grabbed a box of old pipes and new pipes and kind of inexpensive ones and we went through and then he helped me find one that uh and showed me what to look for it was just it was a lot of fun and uh uh pipe maker brian mcnulty was also there he he joined in on the fun and he was answering questions and helping he helped pick the pipe and it's 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 just a great experience everything around the pipe has been such a wonderful experience for me and that yeah just it started great and it's been great ever since what tobaccos did you start out with Continental 51, one of their house blends. It's 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 been good. I uh, I even got some more recently. I'm 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 in the aromatic world, but I'm starting to step into uh, uncharted territories for me. I even got my uh, first tin of the uh, the Orlick Golden Slice. Uh-oh. And, uh oh. <laughs> I'm starting I'm starting to learn, and I'll tell you, I'm enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. Uh oh, he's going into flakes, everybody. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Should have seen me the first time I pulled it. I was like, "What do I do with this thing?" I'm trying to <laughs> shove it into my pipe, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! You gotta rub that out, buddy. Let me show you." <laughs> tuck, fold, tuck, fold. Dive, dive. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm having flashbacks here. Uh, what is it? All right, so. So you haven't you haven't been uh, you haven't been tarnished and uh, and you know been told for years how to do this and what to do with this and what with a pipe and what is it that you think has really made it most enjoyable for you? Well, okay, on a serious note, I'll say this, Brian. I don't want any seriousness. I... <laughs> okay. I like I, I can light it with my clown nose. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> in uh, in all seriousness, I, you know, I'm I'm lucky that I'm in a profession that is an art, even though it's not necessarily treated like an art a lot of times by uh, by a lot of people in it in the entertainment industry. But this is an art, and uh, that's what I fell in love with with pipe smoking because everything about it, just like entertainment, is art, and it's about the story. So for me. Choosing, like, the, the creation of a pipe, that's an art. Packing a pipe, lighting a pipe, smoking a pipe, those are arts. The blending of tobaccos, that's an art. And then the story, like, every pipe has a story. Every time you smoke a pipe, for me, there's a story because I'm either relaxing and reading on my iPad or I'm talking to a pipe smoker and hearing their story. It's the art in the story, the art in the story. 
and uh, I just love it. And <laughs> I told this to Leo at uh, at the Tinderbox. I said, you know, when we were picking up my pipe, I said, this reminds me of Clown College because <laughs> in a lot of ways it wasn't what people think it is, but then in a lot of ways it totally was. And there was a day where you had to pick out what your clown nose was going to be, and it kind of was like, you know, Harry Potter picking his wand or something. Like, it had to speak to you. It had to work on your face and blah, blah, blah. And that's exactly what taking a pipe is like. Like, it's got to work with you. It's got to be the right size. It's got to, you know, good quality, but also just the feel in your hand and stuff like that. So yeah. he was laughing that I compared picking a pipe to picking clown notes. But uh, I can guarantee I was the first person to tell him that. Just just, just don't ever compare picking a clown nose to picking a fiance. Uh, well, you know uh, what? I won't say that because she'll she'll listen to this. So now you're you're a uh, you're you're a struggling entertainer in Southern California. How many pipes do you own now? Uh, I own one, two, three, four, five, six. And of those six, are they all the same, or are they all very different? They're all pretty different. I I, I have the. Uh, the one I told you about, that's a bent. I, I find I really like a bent pipe. Um, I was lucky enough to have a friend of mine who also uh, got into the hobby. He's a friend of mine from Vegas. He sent me uh, a Savinelli, which was like a wonderful gift. So, And it's a straight billiard, and uh, I really like that pipe. Um, and then to get more pipes in my rotation, I went and bought some corn cobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really like them. And... Uh, even though I'm like, you know, for $8 or under or whatever, it's like you get a really quality piece of work. And also it's, it's kind of fun to buy something that's made in America these days. So it's, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. And you started, you started in the aromatics. You stayed with that one aromatic for a while. Now you're starting to, starting to branch out a little bit. Yeah. So my journey through entertainment was I, I, I went back as far as I could and found, you know, I started learning from silent films, and I started learning from as old as I can find recorded and stuff. I, I learned because this this is an art, and I want I want to know my art from beginning to end, and every example I could find, I look for. So I started like that, and and so with this, what I did was I went on to different forums and stuff, and I was reading about like what were the standards or like where did a lot of guys start? Because I thought that's where I'm going to start, and I'm gonna I'm gonna build a strong base so that way. When I hear taste comparisons and stuff, I, I, I can uh, know what they're referencing. So, like, I went out and I bought uh, my Lane 1Q, and I bought the RLP6, and I bought, um, you know, I went out and got Orlick Golden Slides because I heard that's kind of a good, you know, standard to start with. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just – I've probably got, like, eight different ones. Most of them are um, – almost all of them are bulks, and, and most of them are aromatics, but that's that's just kind of how I wanted to start. And because um, you know, <laughs> you've been in this a while, but boy, starting and looking at this hobby and seeing all these names and pipe makers and all these names and tobaccos, it's overwhelming. And then, uh, but now I'm starting to names are starting to be familiar. I'm starting to kind of okay, that's what that, that's that. And now I'm wanting to taste different things and try different things. And uh, also too, when you first start out with pipe smoking, it, it took a while till I could really start tasting the differences in the tobaccos. And so I think if I would have started spending a lot of money early on, it kind of just would have been a waste because I wouldn't have built up that taste yet. But now I'm starting to taste the different tobaccos. So now it's like, okay, let's start investing some real money. Let's try some stuff. And uh, 
that's, and, that's where I'm at now. And you got lucky that you had somebody that was willing to mentor you and kind of uh, really set you on the right course from the start. So. Yeah, and, you know, I've met other pipe smokers since, and it's such a, a niche hobby. I've found that when a, every pipe smoker I've met so far, when they've met me, a new pipe smoker, there's been nothing but excitement and, and help and um, really curious. And also, too, like just gifts and stuff. People have been so generous in what they share with me and stuff, and um, I just love that. I, I think that's great, and, it, and it's nice to be part of something that's so welcoming and inviting and i mean it's 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 basically a, a hobby about sitting back and relaxing i mean how could you go wrong <laughs> it's it's a contemplative group of uh, happy people yeah I, I, you don't meet a guy who's like <laughs> stressed out and pacing with his bike at least i haven't met him yet most time it's just been a bunch of guys sitting around wanting to tell stories and i like to listen so it's been a it's been a good pairing yeah, one of these days I'll introduce you to a couple of them. Anyway, I thought uh, you know, when we first talked about you coming on the show, we had the younger kids from earlier in the summer, and you wanted to turn the tables on me and ask me some stuff, and I thought, well, all right. So, yeah, I, I've, I've your put turn. A list together here, and thank you, thank you. Um, so I'm just going to read you from my list here, uh, and uh, it's it's going to really help me out. So. First question here is, is it okay to put your pipe in another man's mouth? Um, you know what? Go ahead, you know, hold on. That, that's not, that doesn't sound quite right. That, that might be a different right. class. Uh, how about uh, camping? Here we go. Do you dump the ash? Uh, actually, seriously, I've been contemplating dumping ash because I tend not to all the way down the bowl. However, I'm finding in my bigger pipes that if I dump ash once or twice, and these are these are into the Dunhill Group 5 and Group 6 size, that it does help the pipe stay lit and it helps it from getting too tight down at the bottom. And you never want to you never want to get the bottom of your bowl too tight. Yeah, the, the, I, I hung that uh, big straight line out there for you. I thought it started with two. <laughs> so uh, oh, seriously, okay, in, in a in a bigger pipe, yes. In a smaller pipe, I very rarely dump the ash. Okay, that's good to know. Um, here's another question: Where the hell can I smoke? In California, uh, there's this, yeah. there's this place called Nevada. All it, right. Or in your own uh, well, I don't even in some parts in some parts of California, if your house adjoin has an adjoining wall like an apartment or a condo. You can't even smoke there, so um, I would say at your local smoke shop or um, in a uh, specially built uh, chamber of smoke silence in your own residence. Yeah, I, I thought it was odd that uh, on the beach where the ocean is blowing and no one could be around you for miles, you're not allowed to smoke there. Yeah, no smoking and, on public uh, beaches or parks in California anymore. Uh, it's insane. Okay, I, here, here's a good question for you. Um, so now that I'm starting to try different tobaccos, I was going to ask you, the fall's coming, uh, seasonally speaking, what would be something good for me to try in the fall? Like something that you, when you think of the fall, is there like a blend you look forward to, like kind of puts you in the fall? Here's what happens with me. 
And keep in mind, I have a very narrow profile of tobacco that I like. I like my okay. I like my Virginia Periques, and then during the summer, I alternate. Yeah, you know, I start off the day with a straight Virginia, one bowl, and then I go into my regular blend. During the winter time, I start off with my regular blend, and at the end of the day, I go to one of the heavier Virginia Periques. What I would say for you, well, you're in Southern California where there's only two weeks of summer, two weeks of winter, and 48 weeks of smog. Um, well, it, it, it gets down to a freezing 60 degrees, Brian. I hope you keep that in mind when you get your yeah, recommendation. Yeah, when it gets that cold, be careful. You might crack your bowls when you're outside. Um <laughs> One of the things that I would suggest to you is because when it does get colder, it might be a chance for you to try an English tobacco because the, the, the English tobaccos tend to give a little smokier, kind of a warmer feel to them. Um, when it gets colder, it might be a chance for you to uh, smoke inside because the heater will take the smoke out of the air faster than an air conditioner will. Uh, mm, but I didn't say that. But the the taste profiles, I think, I think it changes with what you're going to be drinking with it. So for me, because in the in the winter time I'm drinking less iced tea and less cold water and more coffee and more uh, room temperature water or teas and some of the heavier drinks and you know like bourbons and stuff like that. I want I need more intensity out of the tobacco, so I'd go for a heavier blend. Gotcha. And that's a okay. long way around saying, try it and see what see if you <laughs> like what, you what happens. Yeah. Um, at the end of the right, here, at the thing. at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that smoke one blend. They smoke it all year long, and that's all they smoke. And they have several pipes, and the and they like one blend. And then at the on the opposite side of it, there's people that have multiple blends open, and they own one pipe, and they smoke them all. And yeah, you know, find what works for you. Well, I plan on getting set in my ways, but I'm just starting, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'll wait to to do that. Uh, so here's another question for you. I'm a young pipe smoker, and I'm trying to get my buddies into it. And I've actually gotten a few into it, but so my question to you is, uh, like, what blend would you start off with um, if you were introducing? Here's two pipe smokers for you. One is a guy who doesn't smoke anything. What would you maybe? start him off with and then the other is uh maybe a guy who smokes cigars what would you offer to him and and mind you these are guys i'm trying to win over so i have people to smoke with the guy that smokes cigars is going to be exactly opposite what kind of cigar he likes if he likes a full-bodied cigar with a lot of uh with with a very intense flavor he's going to like a less intense pipe pipe smoking experience um, wow. And that, that comes from my personal interpretation of cigars versus pipes. The guy that's coming into it brand new, you really need to find out what kind of coffee or what kind of, uh, what kind of drinks he likes, because that's going to say what his taste profile is. Uh, if he's just a straight black coffee drinker, it's going to be somebody that's going to want a little more taste, a little more intensity out of the tobacco. I would honestly say the guy that the guy that's starting off with absolutely nothing to go with, whatever you suggest to him is going to be is going to be a great start. Uh, to me, the 
And with the guy coming over from the cigars, the most important thing to show them is how to properly pack the pipe. Because every tobacco that you've talked about and mentioned and every tobacco that your local stores got available, they're all really good. It just depends if they know how to pack and light them. And they understand how to smoke a pipe. You do that and then they'll find their ways you know, they'll find their ways down whether they like a heavy aromatic, light English, straight Virginia, whatever it is. And that's the uh, the benefit to smoking a pipe is that once you buy the pipe, you own it forever, and you can buy an ounce of a bulk and try it, or buy a tin and try it and share it and learn and discover. I love it. Um, I got two more questions for you. One is based off of something I heard you say in uh, in a podcast in the past. You had mentioned when you were going out uh, for a day and you might find yourself kind of busier at a show where you don't want to stop and pack pipes. You said you'll actually pack your pipes in the morning and you'll pack like two or three of them so that the bowls are already packed. So my question to you is, how do you carry it around? Are you, <laughs> do you have your fingers shoved in each bowl so they don't spill out? or <laughs> how, how are you keeping that tobacco in the pipe? No, it gets messy. Thanks for playing. <laughs> Um, I do two. I do two different things. One, I have a couple of pipe bags that that close down fairly well on the pipes, but for my regular Virginia Perique, I will actually sit down the night before and do the uh, do the charring light and the tamping and everything, uh-huh. and do that to four or five pipes full and get them all set up get them all charred so all i have to do is really just kind of pull them out and light them and they start up and they and they go so i don't have to do the charring light and the tamp and the and the relight again uh if you do them if you just load them with tobacco and you pull them out then you got to go through the charring light and the tamping and everything and you get a bunch of expansion in the bowl and that gets a little dangerous to your pants or your clown nose uh because ashes come (laughs) flying out of there so I would suggest that if you're going to take three pipes out for the day and, for example, you're already dressed and ready to go and you're waiting for somebody else who might take a little bit longer to get dressed, do the charring light, tamp them down, get a good good flat layer of ash on top of it, tamp that ash down, dump it out, tamp again, and then leave them sitting in your pipe bag and try to keep your pipe bag the same yeah, with the bowls pointing up, and that keeps the ash from okay. that keeps most of the ash there. But you know what? Um, tobacco falling on the floor happens occasionally. Okay, I thought you were going to tell me like there's special corks or something I, sh- I shove into the bowl or something. No, I've actually seen some people that use little uh, little plastic bags to put over them, and yeah, and I, and I guess you could get some corks made that would fit the bowl holes but i don't care i just get a little ash or a little tobacco in my bag and then i just take it and shake it out and yeah usually outside all right and then here's my final question you had told me i I told you i was getting ready i was thinking about going to the vegas pipe show and you told me one thing i could tell my fiance that would help out was to let her know that in the long run i'm going to save money if i go to these shows so i just I think I know what you mean, but I'd like you to clarify for me, mostly so I can state my case to her when she gets home. How is going to the pipe show going to save me money? Dear Joshua's fiance, 
going to the pipe show and spending as much time at the pipe show is going to save you guys money in the long run because there's going to be over a thousand to two thousand pipes sitting out on tables there of all price ranges. So Joshua's going to get a chance to touch and feel a whole bunch of pipes all at once. And then in that room is going to be a hundred to two hundred pipe smokers that are all very opinionated and very expert in what they know about those pipes. So he's going to be able to ask all these questions and therefore he's going to, on the pipe side only, he's going to be able to refine what it is he likes and looks in a pipe, looks for in a pipe and won't buy a pipe in the future that has a feature that he doesn't like. So did you get all that? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to hire you as my lawyer if I ever go to court. On the tobacco side, there's going to be several hundreds of tins of tobaccos there. There will be manufacturers and suppliers with probably a hundred open cans of tobacco that you will be able to sample out of right there. You can load up a bowl and try it, and if you don't like it, you dump it out and you go on to the next one. So what's going to happen there is by being there and sampling as many tobaccos as you can by sniffing them, looking at them, touching them, and even smoking them, you're going to find tobaccos that you like without having to buy a full ounce or a full tin of it in the future and find out that you don't like it. So you're going to save a whole bunch of money by not trying these tobaccos that you don't like right now. So by doing that, but you got to be there for all, you know, for both days, especially with the Vegas show from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., sampling, talking, touching, feeling, sniffing, smelling, scratching, and uh, gathering opinions and thoughts, all that information is going to do nothing but save you a bunch of money in the future from buying some things that may not work for you. And it's going to help build up your uh, build up your base of knowledge, too. Uh, now you got me even more excited. And I told you my secret weapon is my fiancé is one of the few people born and raised in Las Vegas. So I get to drop her off with her family, and I'm a good guy for bringing her home to visit. And you'll be even nicer because you'll leave her alone with her family so she's got got some alone time while you're over at the pipe show having fun with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, we'll wrap it up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Doesn't matter what answer you give, just give one. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite pipe? My first pipe, my brighter pipe. My fall staff. What's your favorite tobacco? Uh, right now, I'm, I'll go Lane 1Q. No, Continental 51. What's your favorite drink? Scotch. Rocks. Where is your favorite place to smoke your pipe, even though we know you can't smoke it anywhere? <laughs> you know what? I, I, I still go out in my front yard and I smoke in my little folding chair with my iPad. I love it. And what is your favorite thing to do while smoking your pipe? Uh, either reading on my iPad or listening to uh, the Pipes Magazine show. Boy, that was pretty good. For more information yeah. about Joshua, he's got his own website. It's Joshua Zaner, Z-E-H-N-E-R.com. Want to learn something from him? Want to hook up with him? Joshua, you're also on Facebook, too, so you you need some more pipe friends, right? I do, I do. I need more pipe friends. Come out and find me. I'm friends with Brian, so find me through Brian if you need to. That's how desperate he is, everybody. 
<laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. I look forward to seeing you and spending a whole bunch of time with you at the uh, Las Vegas Pipe Show. Thanks, Brian. Look forward to seeing you, too. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back. Hope you don't mind how long that went, but uh, Josh was full of energy, full of excitement, full of questions. Just a wonderful, young, talented guy, and I had a great time talking to him before the interview, after the interview. Looking forward to seeing him in Vegas. Also, hope you don't mind, it is the Sometimes Irreverent show, so there you go. Speaking of irreverent, we're going to one of the greatest rock drummers ever. In history, Ginger Baker, the drummer for Cream, was also a pipe smoker. And this uh, this piece really shows what kind of talented guy he is.
That is Jack Bruce on bass, Eric Clapton on the guitar, and the one and only Ginger Baker, pipe smoker, on the drums. Captain, incoming message. Thank you, everyone, for all the nice comments on the anniversary show. It really was fun having Kevin here. As far as who Burns and Allen playing off of each other, well, I guess I must be Burns because I'm taller, so that makes that easy. Uh, John, yeah, we actually did have a live audience here. My wife, my daughter, and a friend of theirs came over to cheer us on, and then we all went out for dinner, and then we picked up my dad from the airport. So it was a it was a busy, busy, busy time. Did have a lot of fun with Kevin here, though, so it was great to have him. Uh, keeping these wonderful guests coming, that's the best part of it. I mean, we go from Jeff Weiner... Jeff Weiner to uh, Mark Ryan to now Josh Zayner and then next week Tom Eltang. Just a wonderful group of people in this hobby. So, all right, everybody, rant time next. The term one stop shop is so overused. There's no place that is literally a one stop shop. Well, guess what? When it comes to your quality tobacco products, there is. It's CupOJoes.com. With hundreds of pipe tobacco blends, thousands of pipes in stock, a wide variety of cigars, coffees, accessories, and so much more. All you have to do is go to CupOJoes.com. And there it is. CupOJoes.com. Quality products, extraordinary prices. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com, the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meersham corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. I think every large company has a department of change. What do they do? Well, they make changes to things. Why? Because they're a department and they're supposed to change things. The companies that I'm referring to are the ones that we're all used to. I mean, Facebook, Target, Walmart, whatever the, whatever the big companies are. All these big companies, they have this whole department of market research people that think that this is going to be better and that's going to be better. So we're going to change it. We're going to change the layout, change the look, change this, and we're going to improve it. Well, I think what they do is these entire department of changes... Their whole thing is to come up with something to change so that they keep their jobs so that they don't have to change to a new job. We've been doing this radio show now for over a year. Yeah, there's some things that people don't like about it. There might be a little thing here and there that bothers you. But you know what? I'm resisting the urge to change. And yes, there's a few things that I think we could do better with the little tweaks in here and there. But I'm resisting the urge to change because it doesn't need to be changed. Just because you have a job 
that requires you to look at things and analyze things doesn't mean that you need to change and roll out a whole new Outlook or layout of, of uh, Microsoft's Hotmail. That whole new website that Hotmail has been changed into Outlook.com, it's a mess. You can't navigate it. It's tricky to, to figure out where all your emails are. So with all that, I think the entire purpose for the Department of Change or Improvement is to keep their own jobs so that they don't have to go looking for a new job. With that, I will wrap up this show and say yeah, thank you to everybody for tuning in for 14,000, 15,000 listeners. If you'd like to get your message in front of them, want to advertise on the show, contact Kevin Godby at PipesMagazine.com. Got a question for me? Post it on the forums. I do try to read them all. I don't post back on the forums there that often. Want to private message me? Do that on Facebook. Follow me there, or you can email me at brian at pipesmagazine.com. However, I'll warn you, whatever you ask me may end up on the radio show. So, with that, I'll wrap it up and say, everybody, if you get a chance, stop by and see me in Richmond, the Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers show, Richmond, Virginia. Next week, I'll be there. Stop by my table. Thank you for everybody tuning in. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not an escalator. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. Celebrity voices are impersonated.